ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now, play-by-play man for the Georgia Southern Eagles, and he joins us now. Talked to us last week, Danny Reed, about them getting a season-opening victory over Campbell, even though they had 33 players inactive, not all COVID-19 related, but a fair amount. And then you guys are getting ready to play FAU, and what happens? They have a bit of an outbreak of COVID-19, so that game doesn't happen, Danny. So I'd imagine with Georgia Southern scheduled to come here to Cajun Field this Saturday, kickoff 11 a.m., 9 a.m. pregame here, ESPN 1420, I would imagine that at this point you're just kind of like, well, I'll believe it when I get on the plane, or I'll believe it when it kicks off. Where are you at with college football right now, my friend? I think we've seen both sides of it from Georgia Southern standpoint, having to go into a game with a third of the roster unable to go and still able to eke out a victory, even though it was against an FCS team. The fact that the first win happened was to be terribly cliche, a victory in itself. And then last weekend, it could have been one of the best non-conference games to ever happen at Paulson Stadium. It was scheduled for ESPN mid-afternoon. Georgia Southern had not had a home game on a Saturday on the mothership since the final game that Irk Russell coached in back in 1989, that national championship win against Stephen F. Austin. It was disappointing that you couldn't feature Statesboro and Paulson on the mothership like that. But I think these guys are just gotten to the point where they crept enough. They've been ready enough. They've heard enough about how these guys have been out. That guy's been out the adversity the crusade for social justice, they, they've done what they can. They're ready to play ball. And I think that finally Georgia Southern knock on wood is going to be as close to full strength as possible. Coach was able to say a couple more guys were going to be coming back for this weekend, most notably Wesley Kennedy, who missed four games last year, played it to resettle into his role as the number one running back in the option offense. C.J. Wright is supposed to come back as the defensive tackle. Haven't seen him since the end of last year. But from what Coach Lunsford said, this should be as close to full go as this team has been in a long time. Granted, we've still got a week of practice. We've still got a flight we've got to deal with, another round of testing. So that could easily change in the next 72 hours or so. You know, some teams so far really haven't – some teams haven't even played yet. But those that have, some it's kind of been – relatively smooth sailing all things considered and for others it's just it's it's been nuts and i think georgia southern falls into the latter category but um but but now you know a game this saturday at cajun field uh, what you know i was talking to coach napier monday and we'll learn more from him tomorrow night when he spe- excuse me this evening when he speaks to uh, the media in terms of depth chart things like that and uh you know i know that they were without nine players last week due to COVID-19 and contact tracing and um, wouldn't really say whether or not they'd have some back on Monday. We'll learn a little more tonight. But one thing he did tell me was, you know, you, you kind of know what Georgia Southern likes to do. Not kind of, you do know what they like to do, uh, certainly <laughs> offensively. I mean, that's not a secret, but you can still pick up on different tendencies each year with each team, despite the fact that if, okay, they're going to run this offense and you know what the offense is going to look like. But he said in a lot of ways, because they were they were without a third of their team in the season opening win, you might not be able to draw quite as much from film as you typically would. You called the game, Danny. I mean, if 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 some if an opponent wanted to scout Georgia Southern, 
would you tell them that they they could actually scout that film, or would you say, you know what, that game was was <laughs> was a novelty game for so many reasons, so don't even bother? I would selfishly say watch the last two quarters instead of the first two quarters. <laughs> but to be to be more frank with you, the the quid pro quo and the catch twenty two of the whole thing is. You know exactly what Georgia Southern is going to do, but coaches everywhere every year say it is extremely difficult to prepare for an option when you only have, let's say, three days. And I know a lot of teams have said we dedicate time in the offseason. I think Coach Napier has said that earlier this week, that they try to dedicate at least some of the time in the offseason or spring ball. You know, spring ball was still a thing before COVID hit to try to understand the nuances of an option offense and to try to study the coaching staffs to figure out where they've been before, maybe try to pick up some extra tendencies and to be gap sound and have that eye discipline. Cajun did a really good job with it last year. I know Georgia Southern ran for 215, but Cajuns held Georgia Southern to under 300 total yards a year ago in Statesboro. Georgia Southern did not complete a pass until the final drive of the game. And typically for the Eagles, that is a good thing because they've never lost a game in school history when they haven't completed a pass. But in this instance, even though Georgia Southern was able to put together some long drives, I think they had three drives of 14 plays last year. They only got one touchdown out of those drives. While the Cajuns only punted once, and when they got into the red zone, they scored touchdowns. That was really the difference in the game. And we saw pretty early, I think the Cajuns went right down the field. There was a long pass to Bam Jackson, second play of the game, I think. And then it didn't take very long. And we're looking around thinking, okay, this is not the usual Cajun team. These these dudes were going to be pretty good. They wanted Paulson, which doesn't happen often. And then a couple months later, it's an 11-win season. So I think our suspicions were confirmed. Yeah, ESPN 1420, uh, Danny Reed, our guest, Having a senior quarterback certainly helps uh, any season, especially a season like this one. Um, having Wirtz, you know, at at the helm for Georgia Southern, in a situation like this, if if the Eagles didn't have him, how different would you feel about this season as a whole? Just I know it's only one position, Danny, but it's it's not hyperbole when we say it's the most important position on on the field, arguably the most important position in any sport. To to understand what he has meant to this program, and I, I don't just mean taking snaps for the last four years and going through a two-win season and then rebounding to a 10-win season, but the fact that his life was turned upside down a little more than a year ago when he was on his way back to campus with the arrest that happened and the story that is continued to develop and how upfront he has been about his experience. He's finally gotten to a point where he has some peace of mind. He's been leading this crusade towards social justice. He and linebacker Rashad Bird have both been at the front of that to try to promote positivity and make people understand what it is like to go through what they have gone through. And then the year before that, he his, his family home in South Carolina burned down. His grandmother's house burned down. So it, to to try to get inside his mind, I, I don't know if that's something that you could do in a short amount of time. And even the four or five years that we've known him to just continue to peel back that onion and figure out exactly who he is. It, it's, it's a little upsetting to think that someone has gone through that much, but it's also uplifting and empowering to see how much better he has been for it. He's going to go down as statistically one of the best quarterbacks that has ever played here, even though he had to learn three different systems during his time. I think that he's developed a really nice relationship with Bob DeBess and he wants this to be his best year. 
He, he ran for 155 in week one against Campbell, and he had to cut through it. He got hurt midway through the third quarter of that game. But if there's anybody that wants some success this year, whether it's just him personally to bounce back from what was a down year for him and to get this team back to a point where it is successful for Georgia Southern's terms. Seven wins is fine, but that doesn't fly in Georgia Southern typically. He wants it so badly, and he wants to lead this team to it. He, uh, you know, I, I remember the story a little over a year ago and, and all the – for anyone, just give us the Cliff's Notes version. For anyone listening that doesn't know the backstory of Wirtz and that arrest, which uh, proved to be uh, unjust, just give him the quick Cliff's Notes version. He was on his way back for camp. He was pulled over in the upstate of South Carolina. He was arrested originally for possession of cocaine. They did a field test with a substance that he found on the hood of his car. He claimed that it was bird droppings that he had tried to clean off earlier that week. The test confirmed that his legal counsel was able to get those charges dropped roughly a week later. He was technically suspended by Georgia Southern for two days until he could come down here and then get tested. It, it all happened very quickly. It was all taken care of quickly, but unfortunately the effects of it are something that he's never going to forget, and I'm sure it'll follow him everywhere. Unfortunate as it is, it makes him who he is, but even more so, it really has helped define who he is because of the way he's overcome it. Georgia Southern 1-0 and coming to Cajun Field this Saturday. Sunbelt Conference game. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns 2-0, and ranked 19th in the AP poll, 25th in the coaches poll. Going into the uh, <clears throat> the other locker room here, if the Cajuns are going to do it, take us in that locker room, Danny. What do you think the the, the Eagles are saying? Okay, if we're going to get a victory, you know, in Lafayette and get on a plane back to Statesboro with a W, the, the this is the thing above anything else that we must do. Prepare to be physical, and I think that is something that Georgia State did very well. I'm not going to give Georgia State credit for very much ever, but you know, it's just the nature of us. But I, I will give them credit for the amount of physicality they showed for the first two plus quarters last Saturday. When you build a two-score lead against the top 25 team, I don't care what it is. When you're playing a conference team, regardless of whether or not they are ranked, you, you got to be ready to roll. And I think that Georgia State did bring the game to the Cajuns to a degree, and then once things got settled and then Elijah Mitchell broke some runs, Trey Regis had a touchdown. I think the defense was able to make enough plays, and specifically at the end of the game when Georgia State had the ball in Cajun territory with under two minutes left, only needing a field goal to win, and the Cajuns got that stop. I think that that was really meaningful, but they are really good at setting the tone up front, and that's what happened a year ago in Statesboro. I've watched that film a couple of times, and yeah, it helps when Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson are on the right side of the offensive line, but just look, Georgia Southern got dominated up front. And for a front seven that is as good as the Eagles were last year, I think they're even better this year. And now that they've gotten some guys back healthy and are ready to go, if they are not prepared to play as physical as they possibly can and they are not ready for a 60-minute game, it is going to be a long afternoon. But if Georgia Southern can embrace the kind of game this is going to be, I think that this is one that's going to be a lot closer than many people think it is. I mean, we both know what the line for those that are interested <laughs> wants to be. But, but I think that if Georgia Southern brings the physicality, this one should go right down to the wire. 13 and a half in favor of the Cajuns. It was 16 at kickoff last Saturday in Atlanta. And of course, the Cajuns won by three in overtime. But physicality, I mean, that was a big part of it for Georgia State early. And Eventually, it kind of wore down, and I think the depth of the Cajuns 
uh, paid off, particularly in, in the second half and, and in overtime as well. But uh, it's going to be a good one. 11 o'clock kickoff at Cajun Field, 9 a.m. on the uh, Raging Cajun pregame, which you can hear right here on ESPN1420.com via Learfield IMG College. Uh, Danny Reed, play-by-play man of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, I uh, I hope we uh, I hope we get to, to, to see you Saturday. Uh, some of us will be at Cajun Field, others won't. But at the very least, I hope you guys make the trip because that means chances are we're probably going to play football. And I know for Georgia Southern, it's been a an early rocky start to the season because of the current stage and world that we live in with the pandemic. But here's to open for good football, two healthy teams, and a good game on Saturday, my friend. Does this mean I'm going to be a weekly guest on Great Scott now? Um, it depends what happens Saturday, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it, man. We'll Thanks so much, Danny. Danny Reed has been our guest, ESPN1420 and .com.